Greetings, ladies and gents, and welcome to this daily science fiction extravaganza, commonly known as Tales, Tales from Outer from space. Out, space. space. Taken from the subreddit HFY, all the relevant links will be down below. And, as always, I hope that you enjoy. And if you do, please consider supporting the channel. On to the science fiction. Story number one. Space Battles. Written by underscore sky underscore. Interstellar warfare is a serious matter, requiring gigantic amounts of resources and their careful deployment. It starts with extracting a vast quantity of raw materials, followed by their delivery to the industrial centers, then filtering them into arrays of advanced alloys, after which you can finally begin to construct your armada. But yet, of all of that effort is nothing if you do not know how to optimize the deployment of your ships prior to the battle. Many gigantic powers have fallen when relying on sheer industrial power to win them the day. Any confrontation on such a scale are bound to be inescapably destructive. Once your armada suffers a crippling defeat, your your industry is open to an all-out attack. As in space, there is no such thing as static defenses which could preserve your industry. Thus, it is no wonder many modern military doctrines strongly emphasize optimizing your ship's deployments, investing everything in one decisive battle. There is simply no way around it. When trying to optimize your formation, the problem is that your AIs are missing crucial data and the enemy's weapons. This makes keeping military ships designed secrets even more crucial than it would seem at first glance. Therefore, it was not unexpected that the Eternal Empire decided to challenge the Terran Union once they managed to get their hands on those exact files. It was an astronomical stroke of luck when one of their AIs was able to break into a protected human cyberspace. Such information, coupled with the data collected from interstellar spy satellites, made the Emperor and his admirals extremely confident in the outcome of the upcoming war. As they preferred to strike when they had a clear advantage, they attacked immediately. The Empire's armada gathered and pushed forward, traveling directly towards the industrial heartland of the Terran Union. No official declaration of war was issued, as it made no sense to warn your target any sooner than necessary. As predicted, the humans quickly figured out what was going on and rushed to gather all their forces in one place to oppose the invasion. Everything was as the Eternal Empire expected. This confrontation was to be decided in a single decisive battle, as had every war before it. And they held the decisive edge upon finally arriving in front of what was undoubtedly the industrial hub of the Terran Union. Hundreds of trillions of the best of mankind's military assets waited for them. Their numbers were really growing, the newly built ships constantly arriving from nearby industrial centers. When two vast civilizations such as these face off, the numbers involved are nothing if not mind-boggling. Entire gas giants were quickly mined to supply their war machine. The mass of opposing fleets could easily exceed that of nearby stars. But the Emperor was not worried. A veteran of his thousands of stellar wars, he had conquered untold races and subdued his most warlike hive minds. And these Terrans currently had nothing which he did not know about. Thus, he had perfectly optimized the deployment of his fleet, but he was not so foolish as to underestimate his enemies. So all the data was rechecked and multiplied times. 
To his utter satisfaction, everything matched the intelligence the AIs had gathered. The designs of the enemy frontline ships, their long-range stellar artillery, and the carriers were all inside of the expected parameters. The Emperor's own armada presented a perfect counterforce. The victory was soon to be his. As it was custom, the Emperor's armada deployed into the four lines of battle. The first battle lines consisted of disposable frontline ships. Numerous, agile and durable, but not heavy with firepower. The second battle line comprised of long-range stellar artillery. They were fragile, but capable of dishing out unsustainable amounts of damage. Followed by a second line was a third battle line of carriers and their escort drones. The final battle line had the Emperor's gigantic flagship, which stored the main military AI required to control the Armada and his elite escort, where... Quality was everything. The Terrans predictably mimicked their formation, as there simply wasn't much alternative. In space, there is no such thing as stealth or terrain, thus there is no place for ingenious tactics, only a straightforward confrontation. While the two fleets were still deploying, an array of unknown ships jumped close to the human line, designs that had never been seen before. At first, their numbers did not seem significant, but they kept pouring in an unending stream, and they were positioning themselves behind the Terran fourth line. What is that? The Eternal Emperor spoke, his tone betraying his surprise. The only response he got from his admirals was, Unidentified vessels. Which type? What kind of armament? The Emperor demanded to know. Humbly. His underlings and their AIs focused a majority of the sensors on the ever-growing group of strange ships parked behind the last human lines. My ruler, one of the officers spoke up, his words filled with confusion. Almost all the ships have significant array of armaments, some of which are totally useless except in close quarters. But something like that can't realistically be used in interstellar combat, where ships fire at each other from tremendous distances. The entire bridge was silent for quite some time with everyone trying to verify the data. Another officer then spoke, My ruler! Some of those ships have heavily infested with biologicals. Do they require crew to operate? The notion of a combat crew was an ancient one. All known military vessels used AIs. Any crew was only present on the flagship, and even that was only a few dozen individuals in fleets numbering trillions of ships. One officer was going to propose that the new ships might be some civilians desperately drafted into service due to the seriousness of the situation. This was nothing more than the Terrans truly throwing everything that they had into this. But sadly, the theory of the officer proposed could not explain why the complex sensor analysis indicated that all of the incoming ships had vast, fully integrated weapon systems there ever since the ships were first constructed. That was not something which you'd expect from ordinary, hurriedly retrofitted civilian vessels. Continue scanning, focus, or eyes on them, the Emperor ordered. Just then, a gigantic shape appeared in hyperspace and joined the growing collection of unidentified Terran ships. Huh? What is that? A moon? Wondered an admiral. Gigantic ships were unseen in interstellar warfare and deemed to be resource inefficient as they presented too large of a target. Negative. Then there's no moon, the AR replied, its voice absent of any emotion. As the armada of untold numbers of white, knife-shaped ships also jumped in from hyperspace, right behind the moon-sized vessel. Why are they using hyperspace? Such an FTL method is inferior and energy inefficient. Which civilization would waste resources like that? The Emperor observed. 
Galactic powers like the Eternal Empire and the Terran Union typically had an array of technologies at their disposal when it came to FTL systems. But everyone always opted for the reliability and small energy requirements of wormholes when it came to interstellar warfare. Why somebody would use the hyperspace was beyond them. My ruler, the number of those unidentified ships is skyrocketing. If they continue arriving like this, they'll form an entire new fifth battle line for the Terran Union. This was an unsettling thought indeed. There were too many unknown variables appearing too quickly for anyone's taste, especially the Emperor's. Insecurity slowly finding its way into his subconscious. Give me additional scans, find out the purpose of those ships, some form of reserve militia maybe. Almost instantly, the answer came in the form of a gigantic and straightforward no. There was no doubt that those ships were built with anything but warfare in mind. But many of them were not energy efficient. Some were equipped with high-quality but over-expensive shield generators or risky-to-use plasma cannons. Definitely not something any militia would ever be able to get its hands on. My ruler, I have a hypothesis. One of the more experienced admirals rushed to speak. What we see there might be unsuccessful military prototypes, the ships which did not pass real space tests or energy requirements set by the Admiralty, but were deemed unworthy for recycling, left behind until now. The Eternal Emperor stared at the face of his faithful servant, desperately trying to agree with him, but the common sense did not allow him to do so. Billions of them, soon to be trillions, enough to form an entire fifth battle line, the Emperor replied. Even the humans are not that wasteful, and they are known for their inefficiency. The Emperor had barely finished his thoughts when sensors started indicating the arrival of additional Terran forces. What now? What's happening? The AI again, with the same unemotional voice as always. Significant numbers of enemy contacts detected approaching us at speeds of up to warp 10. Warp 10? One of the admirals asked, his voice emanating fear. Warp FTL engines, those are ancient technology. No way any military or civilian ship would have used those such as propulsion. The AI continued. The data has been verified countless times already. Enemy indeed is to deploy them in less than an hour. I advise the tactical retreat. Retreat? Retreat? The admirals felt their body tremble after hearing such a proposition. Why retreat? The emperor wished to know. Have the odds turned to such against us? Surely we have some countermeasures against warp-capable ships. They can be effectively used as kamikazes, but with our drone should... Uh... However, the AI interrupted the Emperor. Negative, my ruler. All detected enemy warp-capable ships are equipped with photon torpedoes. They would fry the sensors on our drones before they would have any chance to engage. The enemy has fully countered our third battle line. Never in the history was the Eternal Empire forced to retreat, but now it seemed as if there was left with no choice. The safest course of action was obviously to listen to the hyper-intelligent AI. However, the Emperor could not force himself to utter the words, but instead he gestured in his arm. It was an impermission that the AI had activated the emergency wormhole and started a tactical withdrawal. Both carefully and skillfully, all battle lines moved back into the safety of their defensive formation. There would be no battle today. At the same time, on the Terran flagship... Vice Admiral, the Eternal Empire's Armada seems to be retreating. Huh. Impossible. It must be some sort of ruse. Everyone, hold your position. Negative, sir. There is no way they would spend so much energy on opening a gigantic wormhole. Look at the readings. 
The data seen on the screen was undeniable, and soon it was reconfirmed with innumerable AIs. For a few minutes, the silence of the omnipresent on the breach of the Terran flagship. In bewilderment, they continued observing the Armada, which was so superior to their own, retreat in full defensive formation. Just as the first enemy ships began entering the wormhole, a sudden message echoed over the open channel. Star Wars fans are reporting how ships have formed up behind the 4th battle line as instructed, requesting further instructions on what to do with the Death Star. Shall we open fire? Maybe we'll get a lucky shot on the flagship. The Vice Admiral suddenly shook from the surreal experience that he was witnessing. Negative. I repeat negative. Wait for the Star Trek fans and their ships too. They should be here in less than an hour. Apologies, sir, but their ships all have warp engines. They will not arrive at time. Listen to me, you Star Wars fanboy. If I hear you try to second-guess my order again in any way, I'll see that you're court-martialed, regardless of all the ships your fandom has bought here today. Is that clear? Oh, yes, sir. Sorry. Will not happen again. I hope so, you freaking civilian. The Vice Admiral answered with a determined tone of voice. Just then, an array of sparkling lights echoed all over the Eternal Empire's armada, and mere seconds of chaotic battle erupted, as unknown ships emerged directly inside the Empire's formation, engaging them at close quarters, ship-on-ship contact, something the Eternal Empire was obviously totally unprepared for. All over a single open channel, an array of fanatical war cries could be heard. For holy terror and the golden throne! For there is only one emperor, and he shall shield us and protect her. Purge the Xenos. May the guard emperor protect space marines, prepare to board enemy flagship. Only death is does our duty end. The vice admiral looked back at his officers, both shocked and delighted at the same time. Are, um, are those, uh, yes, sir, one of the officers replied before the vice admiral had a chance to finish his thoughts. The Warhammer 40,000 fans are here. May God Emperor protect us all. But, but, I thought they also weren't going to make it in time. You never know with warp currents, sir. They you never know. End of story. Story number two. An unbelievable report of the discovery of a new space-faring race, written by Intellectual Gulf. I warn my readers that the following account of the first contact with a new alien race will sound like fiction. I assure you that it is not, and I was a witness firsthand to the event. When first contact was made with the alien race which self-identified as humans, better known to the universal community as shamblers due to the odd bipedal motion that they call walking, it was assumed that the members of the species piloting the spacecraft were insane and not representative of the rest of the humans. It turns out the assessment was completely wrong. Humans were the first discovered just outside a system 895-B, and a medium-sized vessel relative to commercial transports carrying a crew of 500. Initial analysis of the spacecraft assumed that the ship had been extensively damaged and that the humans had been forced to make emergency repairs in flight. Once the translation machinery had catalogued enough of the language to affect communications, it became apparent that not only had there been no damage to the ship, it was the most advanced craft ever created, according to the crew. This was shocking and terrifying at the same time. 
as humans were essentially traveling in a metal tube strapped to a giant radioactive pulse engine. At first, I thought that this was a practical joke of some description, but it became clear rather quickly that this group of humans had no innate drive for self-preservation. When moving between ships, the humans donned pressurized suits and were little more than several layers of strong fabric filled with breathable gas. I know that sounds absurd, but I sincerely believe that this is a completely safe and claimed that they had fail-safes built in to prevent malfunctions from causing the insides to become their outsides. Additionally, their methods for ensuring none of them drifted into the void was to tie a length of metal string to their craft and to attach it to themselves. They fully trusted the metal string to protect them. The final, ridiculous safety feature was a small canister of compressed gas with directional control nozzle, which would be used in an emergency to push through space. I couldn't believe that they made it this far from home planet. Upon inspecting their spacecraft further, it became apparent that they lacked sufficient shielding to have survived space travel. When asked how they had avoided radiation and space debris, the humans showed us their novel and uh, ridiculous method of shielding. The nose, front, of their craft was long and thin rod, a one-third the size of the ship. With each end around its sphere, the humans told us that this sphere emitted an electrical powerful magnetic field. They had another of these machines installed in the nose of the craft, and together they overlapped the magnetic fields, pushed space debris and radiation away from the vessel. Even when traveling near the speed of light, they achieved near light speed by accelerating the ship through magnetic cannon, and then maintained speed by pushing the spacecraft on a constant stream of radioactive particles. I'm sure that you're twitching your mandibles right now in disbelief. How did they slow down, you must be thinking? This is the most absurd part of the story yet. They had what they called parachutes. Apparently, back in their home planet, they discovered how to fly, but couldn't find a safe way to fly. So instead of figuring out the most reliable, safe method like any sane, self-aware creature, they strapped large pieces of fabric to themselves, which would slow them down as they fell through the gaseous atmosphere. Apparently, some of the species do this on a somewhat frequent basis for, uh, fun... This same concept had been applied to the spacecraft, and upon reaching their destination, a planet much like their own planet of origin, they deployed massive metallic fabric half-spheres out of the rear of the craft to catch the solar radiation and slow the craft down without liquefying the inhabitants. These giant metal sails were only attached to the craft with more metal string. They assured us that each cable could lift the entire craft by itself. Further investigation and questioning led us to discover that not only did this group of humans think that all of this was perfectly acceptable, they claimed that they were amongst the most intelligent of their species, and that was how they had been selected for the crew. The final and most ridiculous of their claims was that it took them nearly 200 circlings of the Earth's sun, equivalent to 100 circlings of my own home planet, from the discovery of flight in the atmosphere to today. Based on their claim, all of the evidence may interactions with them. I can say that I am absolutely certain the species has no genetic drive to preserve their own lives. They are short-lived species, the oldest of them only reaching a hundred years on average without medical intervention, which then only extends their life for another fifty years on average. Compared to the average lifespan of a hundred thousand human years of my own species, 
This may explain why they did not evolve to drive for self-preservation. Everything the humans do is the first way they discover that doesn't kill them all. They do not try to discover the safest manner in which to complete a task. They instead find the easiest method to probably not kill themselves. I do not think that we should have made contact with them. A fear for the safety of the entire universe if these humans discover a method to travel faster than night. For it will most assuredly involve ripping apart the fabric of space. End of chapter. And that, my friends, concludes this dose of science fiction fun. I hope that you enjoyed. And if you did, please don't forget to support the author from the link down below. But if you want to support this channel, there are links as well down below for you to help with. But the easiest way would be to share this video. And if you are so inclined, subscribe as well. I will see you all in the next episode, and I hope that you all have a fantastic time until then. Cheers.